1: Soar is a magical phoenix, restoring light and hope to this darkened world. In Soro Phoenix Rising, you'll glide through the sky by placing, rotating, and flipping Soro tiles to transform glowing lanterns into brilliant stars. Beware. Other players may lead you in the wrong direction or off the board entirely, but as a phoenix, you may rise from the ashes and return to a strategic position. Navigate your way wisely to light a new constellation of seven stars and restore balance to Suro the path of life and welcome to tabletop arcanum we're your hosts justin and ricky and you heard us right today we're talking about suro phoenix rising by calliope games um relatively
0: recent kickstarter is coming to retail very soon uh they just got the the shipments to kickstarters in the last month or so and um it's the third game in the suro series two to eight players plays in under an hour um, more players is, is going to extend your gameplay, mm. uh, like eight players pushes it towards the hour. Um, but much like the other Calliope okay. game lines, pretty easy to pick up, pretty fast to get going. A uh, little bit lighthearted, because uh, we were going to be very heavy with turkey, so we wanted something a little bit easier to chew on for si this review.
1: Yes. So,
0: before we begin...
1: Of course, we've got our roll recap. I'll go first because I know you game on, game on, game. I, uh, in the meantime, have been playing Harry Potter. You know me. This is my life. I also played some lanterns. Did Did you finish um, uh, the second box? Uh, we haven't gotten the expansion yet. But we have played through Ooh. all of the first box many, many times now. Okay. Yeah. My girlfriend likes to lead us from book one to book seven and all like in one sitting. She wants to That's experience the entire thing That's all over lot. again. Yeah. That is a lot.
0: Granted, I've also watched Harry Potter Marathons where I pretty much would watch, you know, movie one through eight as mm-hmm. much as I can in one sitting. Yeah. Usually it's a two sitting one. There's a lot. There's eight movies. They're not short.
1: Yeah. But so. it does get more disappointing when you go through six games and then you lose and then she wants to just call it quits and then we'll start again from game one tomorrow. This she's is pretty, your life. She's a pretty intense gamer. She's a pretty intense non-gamer gamer.
0: I was going to say pretty intense cutthroat entry level gamer, which is a weird combination. Yeah. I don't know if I want to uh, see her at more competitive gaming levels then.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's competitive co-op gaming, so. Right. She plays for keeps, as long as we all are playing for keeps. I guess so. Anything else? Well, lanterns. Um, I finally yeah. got back to the table with you for D&D. Um, but other than that, lots of painting and turkey and... Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. See, this is where, like, I turned a little bit light on week one, where I um, played some Arkham Horror card game, um, busted out, learned to play Tainted Grail, uh, Fall of Avalon by Awakened Realms, Um, started playing uh, Sero Phoenix Rising for the review, Uh, played a couple rounds of Unmatched Battle of Legends, uh, Bruce Lee almost took down Alice, in Wonder, uh, Alice from Alice in Wonderland, but did not. However, Robin Hood destroyed uh, King Arthur. So nice. Um, and then learned uh, Shadow Run Sprawl Ops, which is a Shadowrun Run Kickstarter that also kind of recently started showing up. A buddy of mine has it; had it for a little while, but uh, we learned that one. So pretty weird worker placement game if you if you break it down. It's good, but because um, all your worker placement, you're trying to, you have a team and you're trying to get better workers. Mm. So you roll more dice, and like any Shadowrun RPG, you roll a lot of D6s. And I mean a lot of D6s. Like, if your pool's under 10 dice, you're probably playing it wrong. <laughs> um... Morosuro, uh played between two cities, uh busted out Obscurio. Um Gloomhaven, two sessions of that. So the second week was super packed with gaming because uh it was pretty much because of work off for half the week. So what else would I do? Mm. Then put more board gaming in my life and video gaming and other things and catching up on TV shows and binge-watching things, so... I'm all over the board, just soaking up entertainment. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, it's it's been fun playing a lot of Cerro Phoenix Rising in preparation for the review, so that was also a very positive thing. So, I guess it's time to talk about Cerro Phoenix Rising.
1: Well, before we actually start talking about that, I also want to mention that me and you were dumbfounded today when we saw... Barkham Horror. I don't know if I was
0: dumbfounded
1: Not necessarily dumbfounded, but it was a uh, April Fool's joke that now has gone too far. We're still going to play it.
0: It yeah yeah. Fancy Flight announced that the April's Fools from earlier this year, Barkham Horror, the dog themed Arkham Horror card game. They're just going to make it into uh, its own standalone scenario. And the first thing I thought in my mind was um. um the, the Jurassic Park line your scientists were so preoccupied of whether or not they could they didn't stop to think if they should yeah like it's my only real reaction to it like I, I don't know anybody like I know a lot of people a lot of fans were really excited for it but for some reason it just feels like fan fiction come alive mm-hmm. and I don't know how I feel about that part of it Yeah, even though it was self created by Fantasy Flight so it's not really it was like self created fan fiction
1: yeah but it's, it's it's such an odd... I mean, it was...
0: It's going to sell like hotcakes. You know it.
1: Yeah. I know we'll both pick up a copy of it, because why not? Um, True. But I just couldn't believe that people were saying, no, we really want to have Dog Arkham Horror. Fantasy Flight's you know what? Why people, not?
0: People love dogs. Yeah. Heck, Duke is a playable character now. <laughs> and for, like, legitly playable, not... You know, I'm quote-unquote playing Ash Campete, who comes with Duke... But Duke's the real star. No, the Duke is Duke is it. I'm actually going to be really excited if Ashcam Pete becomes your ally that you have. That'd be great. <laughs> oh, that, that's my owner. <laughs> Follows That'd you around. That'd be fantastic. Doesn't really do anything. Nah. So we'll see how it all turns out. It is very standalone, so it does not get to incorporate with your random campaigns like the other standalones, like Blob or Hotel: The Murder mm-hmm. so it's your Hotel, um, and the five. Barkham characters that are included are specifically for the scenario. You'd build your deck with those characters and they only work with that scenario. Mm-hmm. So it is truly self-contained and will not supposedly integrate with anything else. So I guess that's the the shining light of like, while it is fanfic and it's just kind of a weird wonky scenario, mm-hmm. at least it's going to be kind of quarantined off into a little isolated world. Yeah, Until next time, April Fool's. When they released the expansion for Barkham Horror. The
1: deluxe, uh, deluxe Barkham Horror.
0: The deluxe Barkham Horror. Uh,
1: Four new scenarios. Yeah. We're going to do all this.
0: I have no idea.
1: Yeah. All right. Now we can get it to Ciro. Sorry to no, no, that's bring us fine. back on that. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I saw that today and. You just couldn't believe it. Yeah. It became reality. Yeah.
0: Um, so, yeah, let's talk about Surro Phoenix Rising. Third one in the series uh, for Calliope Games. So there was Surro, Um, The second one was Surro of the Seas. And this is Surro Phoenix Rising. So each one has been pretty much the similar baseline. Mm-hmm. And then they've kind of tweaked the mechanics from, two, from one to two. And then, again, one to three kind of took it, put a different twist on it than uh, what Seas did. So um, let's talk about the first impressions
1: first i mean of course the box art is beautiful Zero usually has some pretty pretty decent box art right um the the tray that you put the cards on Mm -hmm. is new and and made me very very worried because this is your copy of the game putting them together like just with your eyes on me trying to pinch them together so they
0: click. It's not putting them together that worries you. It's taking them apart. Taking them apart. That was even worse. feels like you're going to snap the board in half, and you kind of do. Um, Yeah, it's um, because of one of the mechanics of the game is uh, when you're going into a tile that already exists, you pick it up, and you can either flip it, rotate it, or both. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's kind of the big new twist in this one is there's permanent tiles, and you're going to be manipulating them frequently, so it comes with this you know, four-piece plastic tray that the corners are recessed so you can actually poke the corner of the tile to be able to easily mm-hmm. pick it up. Brilliant idea. Mm-hmm. Um, especially because that was one of my major complaints uh, from the second game, the Surrow of the Seas, which we'll talk a little bit more how this one mm-hmm. improves upon that design. Um, this is one of the ways, though, is that tray so I like the idea of the tray, but you're right. Those tabs have me worried.
1: Yeah, because one of them inevitably is going to snap. And then it's just going to... I mean, I'd rather not have the tab there and just sit them next to each other than to have to... Some sort of clip mechanism?
0: Yeah. Like, I think may have been a better
1: solution. Yeah. Like, even if you just had them, like, rust on top of each other, like, one slot, one into the bottom of the other. Like, that'd be fine. Right. The The pegs hanging out. Are thin. The mm-hmm. the, the actual um, tray is very thin, so you feel like you break it, even though you have just did exactly what you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, the first player token is a silhouette of the original Serow Dragon. Um, that was made for kind of child safety reasons to be the cutout mm-hmm. and not the actual cutout piece. So it's a it's a solid chunk of plastic with a, a hole punched.
1: Version, a dragon but, hole punch yeah. yeah
0: opposed to the actual dragon part itself um i get why they did it uh, the way they did i just would have preferred a really cool looking dragon mm-hmm. um, the other first impression i had is it has that same art the same feel the, the tiles feel uh pretty much the same as well mm-hmm. um so they'll they'll hold up for a while but you do shuffle some of them and the, the art and the edges will start wearing a little bit because they are just cardboard printed tiles. Yeah. So a little mixed blessing there. Kind of from the other games, I already know what is going to eventually happen to some of these, and I've accepted that truth. But um, if this is your first serial game, expect those tiles to show some wear and tear because you do mix them up no. every game. Um, Let's hit the basics of the game. And then we'll dive into good things. So, as uh, Ricky you kind of described in the beginning, mm-hmm. you're trying to recreate a constellation, rekindle the stars in the sky. So that's why you're playing the Phoenix, you're moving around the board. On your turn, if you're in front of a space that doesn't have a tile, you get two random tiles from a blind stack. You get to place one of them. and you follow, And they all have paths, little glowing lines. Mm-hmm. And you take your figure and you move along the line that you put in f- that's in front of you until you stop. You may go one tile, you may go across the board. You may mm-hmm. flip and zip around and do a bunch of stuff. But for every tile that has a lantern on it, um, they're little plastic lanterns. And there's a couple different spawn points, but they, there's essentially six of them out at any given time. For each one of those, you pass and leave that tile. You put a star on it. And then at the end of your turn, you'll collect those stars and reposition those lanterns. If you happen to be on facing a tile that already exists, that's where you get to pick it up, rotate it, manipulate it. In some way, you have to extend your path. So you have to move forward somewhere. You may just move one tile again, mm-hmm. or you may move multiple tiles. But that's part of the strategy of the game. The other big divergence from the other Serial Games is you. everyone starts with one life token. As a legendary phoenix, they are reborn from the ashes, so you can die once, whether that's two pieces run into each other because they fell onto the same path, you fly off the board, or you can actually, at the start of your turn, just choose to remove your piece and then on your next turn start on a new edge board. You can only do that once per game. Mm-hmm. But it's a different mechanic from the other Serial games that twists the strategy a little bit. Mm-hmm. So not only are you trying to collect stars, and the first to seven wins that, or, or not really or, but and you have the ability to respawn. Yeah. So, um, what's good about this one?
1: What's good? Um, I I do like the new take on everything. Um, it playing one on one, it was easier to strategize where mm-hmm. we we're going, what we we're doing, what we we're tr- hoping to accomplish. Yeah. Um, we've played uh, with four people, and then that just becomes Anarchy, because you think you know where you're going, you think the lanterns are lining up just for you, and then all of a sudden, three turns later, it's back to you, mm-hmm. and at the the entire board has changed. Yep. So, And at eight players, it's even more chaos. Yeah. Um,
0: the original sorrows are like that, too, where the more players you add, the more chaotic it gets. Um, the one thing about this one, is, or with all the Serial games, is if like I manipulate a tile that you're on, mm-hmm. and it allows you to move forward, or you're facing my tile and I flip it in such a way that you have a new path, after I finish my movement, mm-hmm. in player order, everybody gets to do, advance their, their phoenix birds. Mm-hmm. So you may even score stars technically off your turn, mm-hmm. depending on how things could play out. And in the higher player count games, that's a lot more common. In the 1v1, the two-player, you don't see that, really, unless you happen to get near each other. Yeah. So, that's a good point.
1: Yeah, and I did like the the uh, mechanic of trying to grab all of the stars. It right. kind of gave, with, with. with um, I mostly played um, original Star where it was just, hey, stay on the board as long as you can.
0: Do whatever you can to not fall off or crash into someone. And that was the goal of the first game, was literally, like, last survivor standing. Yeah. And technically this game has that rule too if everybody is if you've re if you've died, respawn and died a second time you're eliminated from the game. Mm. If you happen to be the last player that's not eliminated, you also win. Mm. So it's in here too, but it's not very common that it happens as much. Yeah. Um so compared to Survival of the Seas, I think this was a more elegant version of how to take the base mechanics and and tweak them and give a different goal as well as some different mechanics to play with like flipping and moving the tiles sort of the seas i i I want to like it more than i do Mm -hmm. because the difference on that one again that one doesn't have a board that you can easily pick up and move tiles however Mm -hmm. there's uh daikaju uh monsters because you're on the sea Mm -hmm. so there's sea monsters um, and those monsters, every turn, you roll a two six-sided dice that tells you what those monsters do, mm-hmm. depending if they're a blue or um, silver or gold monster. And the silver die controls the silver, the gold die controls the gold, and it's like one through five, they will move or rotate, and then on special numbers, they'll respawn. Like, But as they move, they gobble up sea tiles, so they create holes when they move. Mm-hmm. They eat boats when they move. So, again, that one is just, again, your goal is to stay alive. But the manipulation of all those monsters that are super random, Mm -hmm. it also adds a lot of time to the game and doesn't make it easy because now you're picking up and moving tiles on a flat board. Phoenix Rising took kind of the idea that you want to manipulate the tiles Mm -hmm. and made it with the tray while I'm worried about the longevity of it. Gives you an easy way to do so, mm-hmm. so kudos on that part.
1: Yeah, definitely. Even though we, our first uh, impressions of it weren't too fond of the um, the board, we in the boat that it's nicer to have the board than not to have the board. Right.
0: I I'll take the worry of well, are these pieces going to snap off, and I'll pass that bridge when it comes to it, even if it's one of the things like. We just slam the four of them next to each other and mm-hmm. please don't bump the board too much. Now nah. You know, it's really no different from the other Serial Games is please don't bump the board too much because they're just cardboard tiles sitting on a cardboard board that can just slide around anyway. Yeah. So, a lot of good stuff going on with it. Um, you don't really miss out on anything from the Kickstarter if you pick this up at retail. The biggest thing that the Kickstarter folks got was a secondary set of uh, Phoenix Birds. Mm-hmm which um, were, like, the rainbow of colors. So your color options are down, but it's still an eight-player game. Same color schemes that the Surrow and Surrow of the Seas have. So it really was just kind of, like, extras that you miss out on. Nothing game-breaking, nothing crazy. Just, uh...
1: Nothing that adds or removes from the game. Like, it's, it's just cosmetic.
0: Right. There's no extra tiles there's there's nothing yeah. like that, which is one of the things I do appreciate um could I be going to Kickstarter for this one it was a little weird, but I think it was because of how ambitious they wanted to make it um, mm-hmm. and and that's nice so um any where, where's our criticisms what other than I'm the board the board feeling like I'm gonna shatter this with my giant man hands,
1: oh. I mean, it just feels like every other Soro game. Um, there is new flavor to it, which is nice, mm-hmm. um, but it's it's a Soro game, so it's it's the same.
0: Do you think, uh, other than the board, do you think it could have been maybe just like a Soro expansion? Mm-hmm. Like, Definitely, give you, give you yeah. some Phoenix pieces and go with it yeah. instead of a standalone game?
1: Exactly. I mean, they added the Lantern, so, I mean, you'd have to... Uh, Add extra cards, but it it feel I, nice. I if think they, at that
0: point is probably where that decision is. Like, well, if we're going to do lanterns and we're going to do new pieces, then mm-hmm. we're going to need new tiles. We're pretty much putting a whole new game in it.
1: Yeah, and they also... This one we can do diagonal. I don't know if we That's could have new. done that. That's okay, yeah. That was new. So that is new. You can do diagonal instead of just the two on each yeah. of the four sides. You can go and add, a, add an angle to to the tile.
0: Yeah, that was a new. Which makes the game pieces a little bit more twisty. So there's some old favorite ones like the uh, the pound sign or hashtag symbol. Yeah, there's like a full crisscross. Like some of those still exist, but now there's like, no, you're doing like almost a 180, but not from corner to from not from side to side. You're actually Mm -hmm. going from the side, and then all of a sudden you're exiting diagonally out of the space. Yeah, which then now you're going in diagonals and. That adds a whole other element of birds flying everywhere. Mm. I liked it for that. Yeah, I did like that. Because it's a little refreshing but, on how the tiles mm-hmm. look. Um, I don't know if it was needed.
1: Yeah. And that's why if, if they hadn't have added that, they probably could have released the middle 16 tiles. Yeah. And you could have just added this to any Serol game. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, the other thing that, you know... I fell in love with Sorrow because it was that. It is such a filler game to me. It's mm-hmm. it's elegant. It's great. You play like even with eight players, mm. you play in less than like twenty minutes on average. Yeah, the game does not take that long because you because you're literally putting tiles out, mm. and once the tiles are out, they're out. They don't manipulate. They don't move. It's how many spaces do you have until you literally run out of space to to manipulate. And then the game's over, because, like, nope, I have no options, I fly off the board, or I run into you, because I literally have no options, so I might as well take out another player while I'm at it. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, like, there's, like, one person standing. My gaming group has used Seros so often as the game to play while we talk about what game we're going to play next. Mm-hmm. Which I don't necessarily say is a bad thing on the original Ciro. I think that's one of the beauty things of it is like Mm -hmm. it's so light it's so nice to just play go through the motions it's a very simple very beautiful looking game but it's not so crunchy and heavy and and thought-provoking that you can't have another conversation Mm -hmm. and look forward. Ciro Phoenix Rising there's a little bit too much game in it To still be able to do that. And that's where I feel both Seas and Phoenix Rising, while they elevate the gameplay, Mm -hmm. because they complicated it that just a little bit too much, takes away from that filler side. Or at least the conversational filler side it's still a quick enough game that you could play this while waiting for other people to show up. And then like halfway through your game, they show up like, okay, great. We'll get you in the next one. And they don't wait more than 15, 20 minutes as they put their coat down, take their shoes off, get settled, get a drink, whatever. Mm. So it's still a great filler game. It's just not as elegant and, and, and
1: quick. Yeah.
0: As the first one is Yeah, that's, that's my two cents
1: on that. No. And I, I completely agree with that. Um, so we played before D&D last week while waiting for people to show up. Yep. And in and, and Phoenix it, Rising,
0: it, with teaching, we still could do it.
1: Yeah. It took longer than a normal game of uh, of Zero, but...
0: Probably could have gotten two regular Zero games. Yeah.
1: In. When it was one-on-one, mean you played through it, I would say... I mean, it, it took longer than a normal game of Zero, but it, it took... 10, Five, 10, 10,
0: 10 15 minutes for yeah. a game, and then another 10 15 minutes for another one. Like, it's really fast, it really yeah. is. And I, I love it for that. Yeah, like, this is a game that you can kind of crank out and, and play a bunch of times and not feel that bad about it. Mm. Um, you can't do that with things like Gloomhaven, where it's you're, you're pretty much with setup and teardown, minimum two hours. Yeah, exactly, because there's just so many pieces. so. Mm you know every game has its niche i feel in some capacity um this is just one of those lighter games so if you're a heavy crunchy player this might be one of that appetizer snack games for you Mm -hmm. if you're in a group or a family that likes the lighter games this is probably going to be a good bet for you too in that sense Mm -hmm. for that same reason so i'm already kind of diving into it let's let's say who are we recommending this for
1: I would recommend it for um, someone who wants to take a step past like a gateway game. I would say Suro, the original Suro, is a great gateway game. If you want to take that game and just make it slightly more comf- uh, complicated so that you can have more um, strategy go into the game, this is something I would suggest for you.
0: Okay, so mm, would you call it a full step up or maybe like a half
1: step? I'd say it's a half step. Okay. Because, it, you know, you're still running around the same... I I, I feel the same way on that. Like, yeah. I don't
0: think this is... Like, it's Gateway 1.5, yeah. but not quite the second level. Yeah. So if you want a little bit more game than a Gateway, or you know who you're... You know, if you, if you got people who grasp games or grasp rules pretty, you know, can can don't necessarily need their hand held in the first game, mm-hmm. this would be a good one. soro, the original, would be really good if you just need to get people into gaming yeah um i would also recommend you know i recommend this game is one of the fillers the whole line is is great for that any of the seros is it nice i'm gonna play something heavier or I, we just got done saying playing something heavier um, we kind of did this with uh, gloomhaven we played two sessions of gloomhaven and this would have been that well we don't we have enough time to play something else but we don't have enough time to play gloomhaven a third time today, mm-hmm. this would be something that I would bring out for that. Yeah. Um, or, like, as we both said, something that's great for while you're waiting for other people to show up. Sero is almost always my go-to for that type yeah. of game. Like, oh, most people can get to the house at 6, but XYZ person doesn't get off work till 6.30 plus travel time. They're probably going to show up around, you know, 6.45, 7 or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, close enough... That you don't want to start anything long, mm-hmm. but you don't. But you, there's already people here. Let's do something. Yeah, zero.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: I, I use the you don't know Jack Jackbox games for that too, but that's a different story too. Mm-hmm. Mostly because those are like five to ten minutes for most of them.
1: And they're super easy. You just to get everyone to jump in all at once because it'll just explain. Yep. As it goes, but yeah. that's neither here nor there. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but that's 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 how I view zero,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and and the zero line is. Look, this is what you're doing. You're going to take your tiles. You're going to look at where you are on the board. You're going to place one of the tiles down.
1: You're mm-hmm. going to
0: follow the path until you can't follow that path anymore. Don't die. Now, nah. Let's go. Yeah. Look, I've already taught you how to play the game. <laughs> um, the little nitty-gritty details you, you you pick up as you go. So um, who would you not recommend Sorrow Phoenix Rising for? Because we always talk about the good and the bad, who we like it, who we think it's good for. Who do we not think it's good for?
1: Um, If you think that Zero is good as is, and you don't want to overcomplicate it, and you just want to have the game the way that it is, I wouldn't suggest this for you. Um, I was even trying to think like maybe that this could be like if you haven't played Zero before and you want to play the original and you want to play this buy this, but with them cutting or with them adding the diagonals, not all tiles will line up. So this is kind of. It's a very you you kind of have to be into Sero or you're okay not playing original Sero mm-hmm. to want to get this game. I would not recommend this one.
0: Man, this is tough. I would I would caution someone who already owns one or both of the other Seros mm. on this one. If it intrigues you and you think it's going to be something you like, okay, go for it. But ultimately, at the end of the day, it's a third Ciro game. Mm-hmm. At its roots, you're placing tiles, and you're moving your little piece across the board on that path. Yeah. If you've played one Ciro, you've played them all, they're just slightly different flavors. and That's that's where I would not necessarily recommend this. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are a Ciro fan and you really like it, and you like those different flavors of it, Great, have all three. Yeah. I'm not, I'm, no one's going to stop you from doing that. I just think in the game market where there's so many different games doing so many different things, this has its niche. But I don't need the trilogy to feel complete.
1: Yeah, I, I kind of feel that there'll never be a day that you sit down and you go, "Okay, let's play Sorrow. All right, let's play Sorrow of the Seas.
0: Mm-hmm. All
1: right, let's play of Phoenix Rising." Like there, it's once you play one, if you, if you're not content just playing that one and only playing that one. Throwing this on, I mean, is the same thing, just... Right. Yeah.
0: This one has bacon flavor.
1: Yeah. Little bacon bits.
0: Or phoenix bits. I wonder if phoenix... Do phoenix taste like bacon? What do phoenix taste like? Are they chickens?
1: No, don't they just ash up when they die? Oh, They probably do not taste well. <laughs> I would
0: I'd wonder. They make good wand cores.
1: That's true. Well, feathers, but... Well, the feathers, yes, but yeah. still... Yeah, again, while they're still alive. I mean, the moment that they die, it's just. So what happened? Ooh,
0: man! Now I'm got to go theory crafting. Like, so phoenix gives its feather, but if that phoenix dies,
1: does its old feather turn to ash inside the wand core? I don't know if it's just because it's attached to the body at that point that it turns to ash, or yeah, because then it burns up and turns to ash since the feather's been yeah. No, we're, we're theory
0: crafting on phoenix birds now. Yeah. So. Ultimately, I would recommend Phoenix Eternal Rising. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a solid game. I think it's really good. There's, I have some hesitation with some of the, like we said, the board quality, um, the redundancy. Like if this is your third Zero game, you you either are in for a penny, in for a pound and really love Zero.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, or it's just going to be redundancy to you at that point. So, you know, caution on that one before you add to cart or go to the shop and put it in a physical cart. I don't know if I've seen in mean, game store with a physical cart. Baskets? I've seen some baskets.
1: Seen some baskets from time to time. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Whatever you take it as. I think it's yeah. You know, I think it's a decent enough game on its own. I don't know if it needs a full series to, yeah. to feel complete, but um I'm not gonna say it's bad either. No. So that's our uh the tabletop arcadum take on Ciro Phoenix Risings. Um look for it soon at your local friendly game store. Ask for them if you want it. I just don't know when the actual release is at this point mm. uh for retail. It should be soon. Yeah. Uh is very good about um they wanted to be very good to the backers who actually made the project possible, but then they're still a business and they're they're not a small game company. So definitely something I think that uh should be coming very soon. Hopefully before the uh, big holidays hit. But yeah, the biggest thing like once it comes out, comes out. It'll it should be about forty dollars when it comes out, just like the uh, other Ciro games. So mm-hmm. should not be any different. It's just what flavor of Ciro do you want? Original,
1: um Cool Ranch or Extreme Cheese.
0: Yeah, kind of. Yeah, it is. It it's is. the
1: same same thing. It's just slightly different flavor. It's yeah. Just, yeah.
0: Yeah, good good analogy. So I guess next time on Tabletop Arcanum, we're going to jack up and get some Cyberpunk on. Yes, one, sir. One, because we're both really excited for Cyberpunk 2077 that's coming out next year as a video game. But Cyberpunk Red Jumpstart Kit also came out. So mm-hmm. we're going to take a little bit break on the tabletop board game aspect and talk about Cyberpunk Red, the newest edition of the
1: Cyberpunk RPG. It's breathtaking. You're breathtaking. You're breathtaking.
0: <laughs> I don't believe Keanu Reeves is in the box, but we'll find out.
1: Have you opened it yet? And You picked it up at Gen Con. And you probably should have opened it. No,
0: I've opened it up and gone through some of it. but uh...
1: He needs to breathe, Justin.
0: No, he doesn't. He's immortal.
1: That is very true. All right, so <laughs> until next time. This what is mean? Rick. You want to go in? Try it again. All right, until next time, this is Ricky. This is Justin. And we're going to let Keanu Reeves out of this box. But only at a safe distance. We're not going to let him, like, free range. Yeah, I'd say that's probably for the best.
0: Yeah, probably for the best. Keep on rolling. You've been listening to Tabletop Arcanum, hosted by Justin Taylor and Richard Geese, and featuring the original music by Paul Moore and Isaac Gilbert. You can follow us on most social media platforms. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave us a review on whatever platform you listen to podcasts. As always, thanks for listening.